And Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. And he came upon a certain place and stopped there for the night. For the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of the place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place. And he dreamed. And look, a ramp was set against the ground with its top reaching the heavens. And look, messengers of God were going up and coming down it. And look, the Lord was poised over him. And he said, I, the Lord, am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, to you I will give it and to your seed. And your seed shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall burst forth to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the clans of the earth shall be blessed through you and through your seed. And look, I am with you, and I will guard you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. And Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Indeed, the Lord is in this place. And I did not know. And he was afraid, and he said, How fearsome is this place! This can be but the house of God, and this is the gate of the heavens. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone he had put at his head, and he set it as a pillar and poured oil over its top. And he called the name of that place Bethel, though the name of the town before had been Luz. And Jacob made a vow, saying, If the Lord God be with me, and guard me on this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, and I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I set as a pillar will be a house of God. And everything that you give me, I will surely tithe it to you. Genesis 22, no, Genesis, <laughs> chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Whew, that was a lot of reading. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I am your host, Phil Gonzalez. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you might be wondering why the angle of the camera is a little different. It's because I couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure out what was going on. My camera wouldn't stay in place. I had to sort of jury-rig it on top of my mind. It's nothing is making sense anymore. Uh, the light's hurting my eyes. Uh, my hair is insane. Uh, I'm breaking out on my face again. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so what better time than to talk about a book about a bear family about bedtime. But not really about bedtime. More about the compact that Jacob makes with God. It's a weird, weird bedtime book. That's right. Uh, this week, our book is 2017's The Berenstain Bears Bedtime Blessings by Mike Berenstain. This is a Living Lights book. It's a Zonder Kids book. It's a religious book. I thought it was just going to be about saying your prayers, but oh boy, is it not. It's about the one real story in the Bible that's really about, well, I wouldn't say the only story in the Bible. Joseph's got a lot of I've been asleep stories, but Jacob's kind of has it beat as far as like Jacob really does 
have sleeping beat in the Bible when it comes to like things happening in his sleep. Joseph just has dreams, right? But and he also shares dreams. With, like Joseph has dreams, but so do a lot of other people in the story. It's the whole point of Joseph's story is that like he interprets dreams uh, and he has dreams, prophetic dreams. And that's kind of cool. But Jacob, like, he's got interesting sleep. Like, his stuff isn't about dreams. His stuff is about, like, I'm just trying to get some shut-eye. And all of a sudden, there's this supernatural being here. And I gotta wrestle it. Jacob's a wrestler. Jacob's a conniver. Jacob's a trickster. In fact, that's kind of what the name Jacob means. Who is Jacob? I mean, he's the guy who, like, even before he was born, he was, like, grabbing onto his brother's ankle coming out of the womb. Like... He's the guy who tricked his father out of his brother. He tricked his well. He tricked his father into giving up his brother's inheritance to him by like putting on like a fake wig and stuff. He's a trickster, and his wife helped him do it. And then he was tricked himself by the guy who had promised his daughter to Jacob as his wife. There's a lot of trickstering going on. In fact, the Torah is filled with trickster characters. Most of the patriarchs at one time or another engage in tricksterism, and it's not seen as a bad thing. Uh, when when uh, when Abraham and Sarah go to like Egypt and pretend to be brother and sister, in fact, they do that twice, uh, that's tricksterism. That's like using your wits to get out of a sticky situation or to get something you want without like really deserving it. And uh, King David, a major trickster character. He pulls all kinds of pranks on people. There's a lot of tricksters in the Bible, and uh, particularly in the Torah. Why? Uh, because God loves loves smart people. God loves uh, God loves people who are efficient and can do things for themselves. That's kind of like the idea. That's one of the big ideas in the Torah. Is that is that you know all the you know the the midwives who rescue Moses? Like right there, right there off the bat. There's like pulling the wool over people's eyes. Uh, uh, Esther, there, another one. Uh, Jezebel, another one. We got all these great characters who use their wits and their and their pluck and their ability to, to, to figure things out in order to get what they need, in order to, to move the story forward, uh, in order to say, our descendants are going to be smart because the only people who make it in this world are the, are the, are the smart ones. Not necessarily the most morally upright people, but that's not what this ch chunk of books is about. It's about a, it's about the history of a people who who are great survivors, and that's and that's one of the big values of these stories is is being able to survive, uh, knowing that your brother is kind of a numbskull, and that uh, if you're gonna have any kind of lineage, probably should go through your blood instead of his like that's it's it that that's jacob he's uh he's a uh, he's a trickster uh and this story the baron saint bear's bedtime blessings is shockingly enough about that uh i mean not in like a and not in a weird way either uh it, it just it, like in, in a very in a very bold broad uh uh like that, that this is what this story is about way mostly focusing i have to admit on the idea of uh on the i on the on the concept of sleep like sort of sleep for sleep's sake but but we'll get into it all right let's take a look at this book i mean i'm, I'm i've talked enough about jacob for now we'll get to him uh but let's see what this this week's book is really all about so uh baron saint bear's bedtime blessings 
we've covered a lot of bedtime books in uh in in this in this show. Uh, we're not we're no stranger to bedtime books. So I was thinking this was going to be another rewrite of like our bedtime battle type type story, where it's like the kids don't want to. The kids don't want to go to bed. The parents have to get them into bed. And then at the end of the day, the parents end up falling asleep because they're so tired and the kids are still awake. I thought that's what we were getting into. Not at all. Uh, not at all. This one starts with a psalm. In peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Uh, so what's this story about? Well, it is, in fact, about it being late at night and Mama and Papa yawning. Wow, making me yawn. I am literally yawning, looking at a picture of the two bears yawning. Like I'm looking at a picture of Mama and Papa Bear sitting in their sitting in their chairs in the living room, and it's making me tired. Probably doesn't help that I am tired, but so Mama and Papa, it, Papa's reading a fishing magazine. Mama's working on a quilt. Got a, she's a busy bear. She's got a business. She's got to make them quilts. Uh, but they're it's tired. They're 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 tired. It's late. It's it's late. I think it's like eight o'clock. Um, the cubs, however, are not tired. Uh, Brother Bear is playing with dinosaurs. Um, Sister Bear looks like she's having a tea party. And Honey Bear is playing with blocks. Brother Bear is making a Tyrannosaurus Rex battle a Triceratops, which is one of those Mike th Mike loves dinosaurs. So here's what I love. Sister Bear is having a tea party with her Super Bear figures. So we've graduated Sister from just playing with dolls to playing with large dolls in superhero costumes, and she's having a tea party with them. We see Bat Bear, which isn't named, but it can only be Bat Bear, uh, with the angriest Bat Bear look on his face, dressed in a pinafore. It's very Mrs. Nesbitt from Toy Story, but it's delightful. It's one of the most delightful pictures I've seen. There's a Batmobile-esque car down at the bottom. There's a bear who must be some sort of Superman XB, and there is, of course, Spider Bear. We've discussed Spider Bear in the past. Spider Bear is a purple and blue bear with a costume that looks absolutely Nothing like Spider-Man's, uh, but Mike has has christened this bear Spider-Bear. That is who Spider-Bear is. Uh, so she's sitting down with a couple of, with a few superheroes having a tea party with what looks like real muffins. I'm very impressed that she's like cracked out the real muffins for her dolls because as we all know, that means that she gets to eat the muffins. Uh, brothers in the background playing with dinosaurs. Honey Bear is playing with blocks and like sort of oversized princess and unicorn dolls. So it seems that sister has now passed on her, her like sort of pretty, pretty princess stuff to her little sister, which is as it should be. Um, Honey bear wants to play horsey with Papa, but he's like, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's gallop around as a horse. Mom is like, hey, look, hey, look, don't get the kids all worked up. It's, it's eight o'clock. It's time to get ready for bed. And they're like, Oh, we don't want to go to bed. And Papa's like, come on, let's get, get ready for bed. Those of you listening at home, this so far just sounds like your typical Berenstain Bears. We are more than halfway through the book by this point, by the way. We're more than halfway through the book. All that's happened so far is it's time for bed. The cubs don't want to go to bed. Papa tells them to get ready for bed. And now they are brushing their teeth and washing their faces, getting ready for bed. Uh, will it stay this regular and expected? Absolutely not. Because the Cubs want a bedtime story. Story time, story time. They pull down the big storybook Bible off the shelf. Now, of course, if you've been listening to the show, which I hope you have, uh, you are aware that there is a Berenstain Bears storybook Bible. What's funny, though, is that the story in this book, I'm looking around as if I'm, I'm going to find what I'm looking for just by glancing around, but I'm not because that's not how my life works. I am surrounded by, like, Twilight books and horror fiction. 
But my Berenstain Bears books are like nowhere to be found because I've been relying so much on on uh, on uh, uh, digital books. In any case, there is a Berenstain Bears storybook Bible. The story they are going to read, however, I believe is not actually in the storybook Bible. And I can only assume that's because Mike wanted to draw this one himself uh, again. Like he wanted... Mike draws the storybook, the, the Berenstain Bears Bible stories, and I, I think he just loved... In any case, uh, so Papa sits down with the Cubs, and he's going to read him a story. He's like, what do you want? And Brother's like, ones with lots of fighting, like David and Goliath, or Samson and the Philistines. And if you want a Berenstain Bears picture of Samson killing a bunch of people with a jawbone, that's in this book. We have the most ripped bear ever drawn in the history of the Berenstain Bears, and he is just smashing. There's one bear flying head over heels, clearly having just been walloped in the skull with jawbone and Samson just rippling muscles and that flowing hair. You can tell that Mike has wanted to draw Samson beating people to death with a jawbone for a long time. He finally found his chance. The, uh, the, the David and Goliath picture is your typical David and Goliath picture. It looks just like the David and Goliath drawings from other Berenstain Bears books. But that Samson picture, man. Love it. Love it. Uh, Honey wants something with a lot of animals, so she wants Noah's Ark. I don't think anyone's ever told her that Noah's Ark... Yeah, because, uh, because... So, this is great. Now, <laughs> I've gone off on this in the past, and Noah's Ark is typically sold as, uh... It, there's, like, a lot of Noah's Ark playsets and a lot of cute Noah's Ark, like, illustrations because Noah's Ark's got, what else? Cute little animals. So there's a lot of children's Noah's Ark merchandise you can get. Little wooden boats with little wooden characters. There's like a Fisher Price Noah's Ark. There's all kinds of Noah's Arks. Uh, because it is sold as like the kid's story in the Bible. Which is amazing considering it is the story of all life on earth being murdered by a vengeful God and everyone drowning to death. Uh, and we get that. We actually get that in this book. On the on the left side of the, of the spread, we have Honey wanting... Bunnies and kitties and lots of animals. And she's thinking of Noah's Ark. Papa asks sister, what do you want? And she says, well, sometimes I get bad dreams if the bedtime stories are too exciting. And that's all she says. But on Honey's picture, you see like a, a thought bubble above Honey's head. And it's it actually isn't above Honey. There's no bubbles leading from the thought balloon. It's just floating. But you assume it's Honey imagining it. Of Noah standing there. He's hugging two lions. There's a couple of friendly skunks. There's a giraffe with a monkey, some cute bunnies, a cute elephant. And they all look very cute and very cartoony. Sister and brother are also imagining Noah's Ark. Uh, and I, I guess, honey, it has, it's funnier if it's sister and brother. But they're envisioning a very realistic-looking illustration of Noah's Ark uh, with miserable animals, Noah and his wife looking terrified, uh, and the boat pitching on the waves because, after all, Noah's Ark... Terrifying premise for a terrifying story. Now, we are two-thirds of the way through the book, and we haven't gotten to what we're actually going to be talking about, which is the story they end up with. Jacob's Dream. And it's the story I read up top. Uh, we all know the story of Jacob's Dream. It is also known as Jacob's Ladder. It is also known as Jacob and the Stairway to Heaven. Uh, depending on which translation you get, it's a ladder or a stairway, or in the translation I have, a ramp, because the term used isn't necessarily, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean 
latter. There's a lot of controversy over, I mean, of course there is, over what the actual translation of, of, of it, of it is. Uh, the Hebrew term, this is, and I'm getting this, uh, from the Hebrew Bible, a, uh, ah, I can't, I don't have the title right here. It's a new trans, it's a, it's a more recent translation of, of the Torah. Uh, it says the Hebrew term occurs only here. The, the term for ramp, although its etymology is doubtful. The traditional rendering of ladder is unlikely as has often been observed. The references to both its top reaching the heavens and the gate of the heavens use phrases associated with the Mesopotamian ziggurat. And so the structure envisioned is probably a vast ramp with terraced landings. There's a certain appropriateness in the Mesopotamian motif. Given the destination of Jacob's journey, Jacob in general is represented as a border crosser, a man of liminal experiences. Here then, in his return trip, when he is confronted by Laban, and in the nocturnal encounter at the ford of the Jabbok. So, uh, what you can, may want to envision is like a gigantic, sort of the Tower of Babel, the way they, the way that's envisioned in a lot of drawings too, as a ziggurat, as as a multi-stepped, uh, almost almost pyramid that sort of goes up and up and up and up and up. Uh, it's a massive edifice. In in like medieval illustrations and drawings and paintings, it's typically the ladder. You see the angels like crawling up and down the ladder, or it's a vast stairway coming out of the clouds. Whichever way you want to imagine it, I mean, it just depends on what you want to imagine. I mean, at this point, whatever you want to imagine is fine. I give you full permission to envision a ladder. I use the ramp translation. I also like the idea of an escalator, like in that one Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom goes to hell. So, uh, so uh, Jacob's the son of Isaac. Abraham, the first Hebrew, was his grandfather. So we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, and they're, you know, they're a friendly crew. Uh, except when God is telling you to kill one of them and, and you have to have your hand stayed by an angel. Isaac's a bit of a non-character in the Torah. I mean, he does some stuff, but he's not he's not remembered like in stories so as much as like in storybooks as much as Abraham and Jacob. He doesn't get the more dramatic things. He's and you get a lot of stuff with him when he's a very old man uh, and like can't really see and can't tell his sons apart. Uh, but we do get the story of of Jacob out on a journey. He he's not just I mean, he is, he says, one time Jacob went on a journey, which is more or less true. Uh, I mean, he is, he is taken, he's taken a hike. Uh, 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 this not, not a, not a fun hike. Um, if, if you want to, I mean, I, I'm not going to give you like the, the, the entire lowdown on, of the story of, uh, uh, of why he's doing this, but it says that Isaac summons Jacob, blesses him and commands him and says, you can't take a wife from the daughters of Canaan, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take you from there a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. So there, there's, just, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and that's why Jacob is heading out. He's heading out to get himself a wife, lays down on the hard ground. We get a great illustration of that. Uh, and he dreams of this. So this we get the stairway and we get a Mike. Mike loves drawing angels doing weird things. And he's drawn the angels uh, going up and down the stairs. Uh, and it's a it's a spiral. It's like a, a golden spiral staircase. And when Mike draws bare angels, he loves drawing them with this sort of like half lidded smirk on their face. This is this sort of like, yeah, yep, I'm an angel. Better get out of my way, buddy, because I'm an angel. Jacob, looking appropriately shocked at seeing a stairway to heaven, uh, 
And then God. You don't see God. There's no drawing of God. He's just a bright light. He's like, I, and he says, I'm the God of your fathers. I'll give your children the land where you lie. They'll create a great people who will bless the whole world. I will watch over you wherever you go. I will never leave you. And they kind of leave it at that. Like, they make that the point of the story. Uh, 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 as opposed to, like, um, Jacob's, like, sort of realization about this, about what has just happened and the bargain that Jacob makes with God. So Jacob, so, so God's like, look, I'm going to be with you wherever you do. I've spoken to you. This will be your land and the land of your, in the land of your descendants. Uh, Jacob wakes up, if you remember, and he's like, whoa, God is around. This is, this is God's land. Uh, and he builds a, uh, he put, he erects a pillar, anoints it. Uh, and he's like, this will be a house of God and everything you give me, I surely tithe to you. But Jacob makes a bargain, not, not even a bargain. He, he sets limits. He's like, that's great. You told me this land is going to be mine. And I will recognize you as the Lord, my God, if you're with me and guard me on the way that I'm going. And you give me bread to eat and you give me clothing to wear and I get home to my father's house safely. And it's wild that that Jacob would be like, here's the conditions of me of me accepting you as God. But, and this is from the same, this is the same commentary, from the same uh, translation of the Torah. Uh, it, it mentions that God has already promised him in the dream that he'll do these things for him. And J Jacob, however, remains the suspicious bargainer, a wrestler with words and conditions, just as he is a physical wrestler, a heel grabber. Um, he carefully stipulated conditions of sale to the famished Esau. He was leery that he would be found out when Rebecca proposed her stratagem of deception to him. Now he wants to be sure God will fulfill his side of the bargain before he commits himself to God's service. And later he will prove to be a sharp dealer in his transactions with his uncle Laban. So Jacob is kind of the ultimate trickster. And again, trickster, not in a judgmental sense, but in the, in like in a, in a, the world is hard. We're dealing with supernatural forces here. We're dealing with the future of humankind. I, I've got to make sure I get out ahead of these things. I've got to make sure that I know what's coming. I got to make sure that I am, I am, that I have all the resources at my beck and call to ensure happiness for myself and my descendants. That's 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 the trickster in them. Some tricksters are just survivors. Jacob is a trickster, is a survivor and a forward thinker. He's he's always looking at, and of course, his forward thinking will get passed on to his son, to Joseph. He has a lot of sons. But to Joseph, his favorite son, who will ultimately become a trickster himself in order to throw one over on his brothers uh, when he hides the silver cup and blames his son, his other brother. It's Joseph is. We're not going to get into Joseph. There's a lot going on with Joseph. We're not talking about Joseph. We're talking about Jacob. So he pro it says he when he wakes up, he knew it was a, he was in a blessed place and he promised to serve God all of his life. It doesn't mention that he that on certain conditions. He promises to serve God all of his life. And we see a little, looks like a little forward. It's like, it, this must be Jacob with all of his, with all of his wives and then some of their kids. Uh, and, and if you think we're at the very end of the book, hot dog, you're right. Because, uh, the Cubs are getting, getting sleepy and, and, uh, and Papa says, you know, remember God and his angels will always watch over you just as they watched over Jacob. And sister's like, that was a sweet dream story. Good night, Papa. And, he sa and brother says, good night. And Papa says, good night. And God bless you. And they turn out the light. And the last thing we see is the cubs jumping over some, some stepping stones in a river with an angel floating over 
them, presumably protecting them and not about to push them into the river, which from the look on the angel's face, that could be what he's doing. These angels are fairly inscrutable. So uh, that was the Berenstain Bears uh, Bedtime Blessings. Now, the question, of course, as we always like to ask, is, is it appropriate? I'm just making sure I have everything pulled up. Is it appropriate the way they use the biblical story in this in this book? Is it appropriate that they use the story of Jacob's dream as sort of a generic everything's gonna be all right, don't don't worry about it, kids uh, uh, story? Um, I'm not a theologian. I, I don't feel like I have like all the information at my fingertips, but I will say that a good, a good chunk of the story rests on Jacob coming to the realization that, that he and his, and his people are going to be protected. And that this was not only a, a theological concept, but it was specifically told to him by God. And I think that if you're reading to children and they want reassurance about the safety of what's going on, they want reassurance about being able to go to sleep at night, and they want a story that is, that's a little exciting, but also like just basically a reassurance that someone's looking over them and, and guarding them and you're a religious family. Yeah, I think it's an appropriate story. Uh, I think it's good that they also had to brush their teeth. So, you know, good on them. It's it, it's not, this wasn't, I went into this book mostly interested in the story of Jacob's Ladder. The story of Jacob's Ladder has been interpreted, like every religious like organization, like group, has many, many, many interpretations of what exactly the latter means. You know, does it does it represent humankind's sin, like or the the, the transition from like righteousness to sin, like you 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 rise up and then you come down because the angels are going up and down. Some say that it represents like angels, uh, uh, souls leaving the earth and then souls coming to the earth. Some say that it represents like angels having fulfilled their duties on earth because angels are messengers. Angels angels are working like they, they are working beings. They aren't just there to be pretty. Uh, someday it's angels, you know, coming to and from their heavenly duties, uh, their earthly duties from heaven. Some say that it represents like, uh, uh, like there's, there's Jewish traditions that say that there were a certain number of steps that the, that the, or rungs that the angels had to go up and that each one represents like certain amount of time in, in exile. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of, and that's just the, the Jewish interpretations. There's Christian interpretations. There's Islamic interpretations. All kinds of interpretations, up to and including like up to it, including in magical uh, traditions, because, you know, you have when you have magic steeped in religion, like, uh, you know, uh, Jew Jewish religion, particularly, uh, you're going to have a whole lot like the Jacob's ladder is 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 a, it can be a magical symbol as well. There's also the movie Jacob's Ladder, which is not actually connected to this Berenstain Bear story in particular. Uh but I don't have anything else to say. I, there's nothing that it is not related to this, but, but a classic, classic psychological horror film. Check out, if you're ever wondering where the con, like the, the, the later overused 
special effect of like the 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 ghosts with the jerky herky jerky heads came from that was jacob's ladder so give it a, like like that like the whole like like this is scary this is what ghosts do that's all jacob's ladder i just gave myself the, i just made myself super dizzy jerking my head around uh but that's the berenstain bears bedtime blessings uh, one of the problems i have of course is that i got it as a digital book i do not know if there are questions at the end. Listeners, if you are a listener at home and you have the Berenstain Bears Bedtime Blessings, will you look in the back and see if there are questions in the end? And if so, will you send me a picture of them? And if I get the picture of them, uh, maybe I'll do them at the beginning of the next episode or maybe I'll do a special bonus episode of just me answering the questions. And if there's no questions, uh, made you look. Uh, but in any case, that's the Berenstain Bears Bedtime Blessings. That's the story of Jacob and the Jacob's Ladder. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. Hope you all enjoyed listening to me talk about it. Uh, I'll be back next week with more Berenstain Bears goodness. Give a listen to Pizza Toast. We've been covering the Twilight series, where they're the final, the final movie and the final half of the book, uh, Breaking Dawn, come out this week. Uh, and then we'll be moving on to the parodies of Twilight. And then we'll be moving on to the later books that she wrote, retelling the story of Twilight. So if you like Twilight, if you're a Twihead, if you're a Twihard, Give a listen to Pizza Toast, uh, a YA books and media podcast with my friend Christy Admiral. It's We have a blast talking about this stuff. And it, too, is on YouTube. And Willow and I will be getting back in the saddle, picking up with some more stories. we got a Shirley Jackson story coming up on It's Del Toro time. Uh, as soon as we can, there's been some family stuff going on there that's made that, made recording difficult. But uh, you pick, up, pick that up. And if you like listening to me talk, you can hear me talk with my kid about more literature that is not bear related otherwise thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for listening and if you're on youtube thank you so much for watching and i will see you all next time deep wait a minute there we go i was hanging out on the last page of the book and my viewers deserve to see me and this giant pimple i have what it's always like right there it's always like right on my cheek right below my glasses Probably because it's irritated by my glasses. Oh, uh, deep in bear country. <laughs>